This is Tony Brewer, and you're listening to Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me, my countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. We're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it, and we're going to talk tonight about bearing fruit and some observations from this wonderful passage of Scripture that my good brother, Ayo Kunle, from Nigeria, and he's living here in Canada, he preached for us this Sunday. He's been preaching once a month, uh, giving me a little bit of break, plus allowing me to lead singing. So we are happy uh, to have him here doing that, and he preached a wonderful sermon. I'm not going to preach a sermon to you, but uh, he brought us some good stuff, and it caused me to think, think about some things. And I'm going to share those things with you because this is my cogitations. Remember, you can support me directly at www.patreon.com forward slash near churches, or you can support me through Digital Bible Study. Uh, Go to digitalbiblestudy.org for $5 a month, or you can go to uh, um, digitalbiblestudy.locals.com for $2 a month. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Otherwise, check the show notes and you can find ways to support us there. Now, somebody asked me to sing a verse. No, I will not sing a verse. I am one of those people that uh, folks think sings well, but I don't think I sing well solo. I think the Lord knew what he was doing whenever he wanted us to sing together. Because whenever you get that harmony together, even people that can't sing very well at all, they it, it, it the, the synergy there, is you get a hundred people, or you get ten people singing together, and they sound better than any one of them can sound alone, and the totality of them sounds better. The sum of their effort sounds better than if you just took their individual skill level and averaged it out. If that makes any sense. Anyway, all right. Good to see everybody. I'm going to go back in the comments just a little bit. Um, Henry McClure, thank you for those prayers and well wishes. Uh, Deborah says she put me on speaker. Awesome. Hello, Debbie Mangus. Uh, Cora Adkins and Sue Ross, good deal. Sound is good for her. And um, yeah, Fiona didn't treat us that bad. No, in fact, it was it wasn't it wasn't much to write home about at all. All right, good deal. So let me just go ahead and get down here. Um, Let me go get down here in the lesson. All right, first off, let's read the text. I'm reading from the New King James Version, by the way. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Isn't that a wonderful passage of Scripture? Abide in me, and I in you. How do you do that? By keeping the commandments. Folks, I want to start this lesson slash podcast by making this point from 1 John chapter 2. Listen to this. Little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. But if any man sin, he has an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he's the propitiation for our sins, but not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. And hereby do we know that we know him. 
if we keep his commandments. Folks, do you want to know that you know Jesus and are known of him? Do you want to know that you're in fellowship with him? Do you want to know that you're in a position where you're able to bear fruit? Then do the commandments. If you do the commandments that Jesus commands in the New Testament, you will bear fruit. Okay? Now, that we could honestly, we could stop there. That is profound enough. That is something that if you teach in many of our congregations across the Western culture today, and certainly in most denominations, if you teach that right there, they will accuse you of being a Pharisee, a legalist, and and they will accuse you of being a, a, a false teacher, a heretic teaching works salvation. Look, all you've got to do is trust in the finished work of the cross. The commandments have nothing to do with it. Even the Calvinists say, look, if you're if if the Holy Spirit has operated on your heart to regenerate it, and God miraculously gives you your faith because you've been regenerated from your degenerate state, you will do the commandments. Even the Calvinists understand that the commandments are important, although they take your responsibility for doing them away from you. We need to focus more on the commandments. We need to be commandment Christians. Oh, I know what the world says, my brethren. Well, look, it's Jesus wasn't about religion. Jesus was about relationship, and the church is a relationship. Yeah, okay, let's do this. Now, I speak as a mystery. You think I'm talking about marriage, but I'm actually talking about Christ and his church. If you, as a wife, do not follow the commandments within the boundaries of your marriage, I'm not talking about having a husband who lords over you, who says, do the dishes, who says, uh, vacuum the car, who says, well, wipe the floors. I'm talking about the commandments of a marriage, love, honor, loyalty, okay? If you don't love your husband, and I'm a male, so I teach from a male perspective. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. You ladies, convert this. Um, if if or, or you men listening, convert this. Um, if you don't follow the commandments within the boundaries of the marriage, men, towards your wife. In other words, if you don't love, if you don't honor, if you don't respect, if you don't dwell with them in knowledge, all that good stuff, then you're not going to be in a relationship with your spouse very long. Well, what are the commandments? Let me tell you something that's a little silly, all right? But it illustrates a good point. And in fact, I told this to somebody this morning because we were talking about marriage and we were talking about the dichotomy between a man and a woman and and stuff like that in a marriage. Well, I've been married 24 years, 23 years this year. Uh, I was married in 1999. December 11th will be 23 years, I believe. And I remember I hadn't been married very long and I was renting uh, some videos from the video store. And as I was in the line, I made a phone call to my wife. And I said, LaBeth, I'm getting the movies that you wanted. All right. I'm, I want to pick me up some McDonald's on the way home. Do you mind if I pick me up some McDonald's for supper? She said, well, I don't mind that at all. Now, that was me obeying an unspoken commandment. Let me tell you what that commandment was. The commandment was, I am commanded as a man to respect her enough that if she's going to cook me supper... I need to make sure I'm hungry when it comes time to eat. So that means I don't go get me a McDonald's meal. So that means if I'm going to get a McDonald's meal, I check with her. Well, what if I didn't follow that commandment and I got food in town and I did that four or five times and when I got home, I'd already eaten and I didn't eat what she lovingly prepared for me? That would damage the relationship. How much can you damage a relationship by not keeping those commandments in within the marriage and still have a marriage left. How many people, right, wrong, or indifferent, remember we don't, we don't deal with should and should not, we deal with is and is not. How many people across this world have spouses that constantly violate these commandments of love within the, and, and respect and loyalty within the marriage and they damage the relationship to the point where there is no relationship anymore and most of the divorces that go across the divorce court nowadays, the reason listed, 
not infidelity. It's irreconcilable differences. I wonder if the differences they could not reconcile was that one or both of the parties was not willing to keep the commandments associated within the associated with the holy bond of matrimony. You see, you you I'm speaking in a mystery here. You think I'm talking about marriage, but I'm talking about Christ and his church. You're married to Jesus. We are married to Jesus. So we have to relate to him through the commandments, precepts, and divine examples. That's what Paul wrote to Timothy, the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We leave the ungodliness and worldly lust, that's fine, but now we have to do something in the positive. We have to live soberly, righteously, godly. That's your inward, outward, and upward man. I need to live soberly. That's my relationship with myself, that my inward man. I need to live in harmony with my, with my convictions and my, and my thinking and stuff like that. I need to live righteously. That's upright. That's a relationship with my fellow man. And I need to live godly. That's my relationship with God. How do you have a relationship with God, folks? If you love me, keep my commandments. You're my friends if you do what I say. John 14, 15, and 15, 14, respectively. We need to be commandment Christians. How many of the commandments of the, of the Christ can you keep and no longer have a relationship with him and still have a relationship? Hold on a second. Strike that. Reverse it. How many of the commandments of Christ can you break and, and still retain a relationship with him. Think about every time a husband and a wife violate the commandments of love, honor, and respect in a marriage. How often can you do that and they still have a How often can they do that and they still have a relationship with one another? Now, not only do we need to be commandment Christians, we need to be fruit-bearing Christians. Listen to this. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Folks, I put forth to you that bearing fruit is of utmost importance. If we do not bear fruit, we ain't going to make heaven. Let me. Oh, I got something going on. All right. Now, let me get back here to uh, to Galatians. I'm going to put a marker right here. Let's go to Galatians. And y'all know where I'm going. Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 22, listen to this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Now, he, he outlines that fruit of the Spirit. And if you'll notice, it's not fruits plural, it's fruits singular. If you're missing one, you're missing them all, folks. If, you're, if, you, if you fail in one, you fail in them all. If you fail in one, you're not a fruit-bearing a fruit bearing Christian. And what's going to happen? Going to be plucked out. Now listen to this. Chapter 6, verse 7 of Galatians. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that soweth unto his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. He that soweth unto the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. We are plugged into the vine. The Father is the vine dresser. Without being plugged into the vine, and without the vine being dressed by the Father, we cannot be fruit bearers. So if one part of this system falls, guess what? We are cast into the everlasting fire. I put forth to you that the vine dresser is going to keep his part of the bargain. 
The vine is going to fulfill its purpose. The only variable is you and me, brethren. We have to be fruit-bearing Christians. How do you do that? We be commandment-keeping Christians. If we keep the commandments, we're going to bear fruit because that's the way this system is set up. Isn't that comforting? Doesn't that take this idea of being commandment-keeping Christians out of the realm of working for your salvation and put it into the realm of working because you love God Almighty and the Savior that died for your sins? I would hope it would be the latter. Now, if we sow to the flesh, we're going to reap corruption. If, the, if, if we are born from another seed that isn't the spiritual seed, in Luke 8, 11, the seed is the word of God, we're not going to be plugged into the branch. And it's impossible for us to produce the fruit of the Spirit. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. We can be in Christ and not bear fruit. Let me tell you something that scares me to death. I don't know how long somebody can be in Christ while not bearing fruit. I'm not the judge of that, nor are you. But a person can be in Christ and not bear fruit. And God be long-suffering. And it's our job to help them. But a person can be in the church building, having been baptized into Christ, yet fallen away because he's not producing fruit. And, they may, and that person may never know it because they come to the building on Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, and Wednesday. They give of their means. They partake of the Lord's Supper. They're there for the potlucks. They, they come to the Bible bowls and all that, but they're still not bearing fruit. And although that person may look like a Christian, he's really a mock Christian. And you cannot mock Christianity. You cannot mock anything of God. Don't be deceived. Things of God are not mocked. If you have somebody that looks like a Christian, but they're sowing to the flesh and not of the Spirit, they're going to reap corruption in the last day. And God have mercy on their souls, but I don't think he will because that person would be outside of the blood of a lamb. Now, what about Christians who bear fruit? Life going to be easy for them? They going to have it all peachy keen? Is it going to be rainbows and butterflies and kumbaya around campfires and nothing ever goes wrong for them? <laughs> God forbid. I seem to remember a verse that teaches something close to all that who li would live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. I think about the book of James. James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered abroad, greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, perseverance. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Peter even uses this illustration. Take, a, take you a, 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 a nugget that you dig out of the ground that has precious metal, such as gold or silver, and you throw it in a, in a smelting pot. And, and I didn't mispronounce that. I actually, I know this. This is esoteric language from back when I used to train horses. This is esoteric language from back when I used to train horses. It is a smelting pot. And they had this pot, and they would heat it up, and, they, and, and we would put lead in there. And the lead had been put attached to the horse's platform shoes. And it would be all dirty and grimy and just, it would look, I don't want to, I'm not being just crude to be crude, but it looked like horse poop. And you would put all of this horse poop looking lead in this smelting pot 
and it would melt down and all that impurity would burn off and then they would pour the lead back into the molds, uh, uh, six ounce, eight ounce, uh, 12 ounce, 16 ounce, uh, 24 ounce, 32 ounce piece of lead. And would you believe that when they poured that, um, when they poured that in, that that lead would have a luster, it would shine, and that's lead. How much more precious is your faith than lead? The Bible asks the question, how much more precious is your faith than gold or silver that perisheth? Much more precious. So when it passes through the refiner's fire, you burn all this stuff off that's getting you dirty. That's what persecution does. If you're bearing fruit for Jesus, you're going to be tried with a certain kind of fire metaphorically on this earth. I I talked about this uh, illustration today on Christianity Now. Let me get this comment really quick. Um, Oh, here's a good one. Hold on just a second. Let me. Awesome. Good evening, Douglas Connerly. Yeah, we're doing well. All right. Katie Smith says, Slightly different, but there is a mock apple pie made using rich crackers. It looks and tastes like apple pie, but it is not actually apple pie. That's it. And I just wonder if you made a really good apple pie from somebody that knew what they were doing, and since somebody made this one, I wonder if you could really tell the difference. I've had strawberry jelly that didn't have any strawberries in it. It had tomatoes, and it really tastes like strawberry jelly until you actually taste strawberry jelly. Like if you take strawberry jelly and clean your palate and then you take the strawberry jelly made out of tomatoes, you can tell a difference. It's not the same. All right, Connie Barnes says, I think maybe bearing fruit needs to be defined. Some think that if you aren't converting many people, you aren't bearing fruit and they become discouraged to the point of quitting. No, the bearing fruit is defined by keeping the commandments. It's bearing the fruit of the Spirit. I am fully convinced of that. And that's Galatians chapter 5, I think starting in verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is this, and you have that list. And if you're not producing that in your life, then you're not bearing fruit. Now, you can produce, you can, you can bear fruit as a Christian, and, ne- and, and the reason there, there, there's communication, excuse me, the reason there's confusion there, Connie, is because people cross their metaphors and their illustrations. The seed is the Word of God, so every Christian needs to be planting seed so they can be bearing fruit for the kingdom. Okay, that's a good illustration, but that doesn't work with that doesn't work with this illustration. This what 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 Jesus is saying here about bearing fruit, uh, he's talking about the fruit that is born in a man's life personally when he keeps the commandments. Because you know we go down to chapter fifteen, verse ten. He, here's the conclusion of the matter. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in me and my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. This is keeping the fruit. but not, This is bearing the fruit, is keeping the commandments. Now, what happens to a person who keeps the commandments? Go all the way back to Genesis chapter 4 to God's social contract. If you do well, will it not be accepted of you? And if you do not well, then sin lieth at the door. And unto him shall be your unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. You're going to enter into a copulative relationship with sin, the progeny of which is death and chaos. So the the fruit bearing here is not making other Christians. The fruit bearing here has to be just keeping the commandments of God, and how that changes your life to where you have a bounty of the the fruit of the Spirit. Against such, there is no law. You, there, you, you, can, you can indulge in as much of this stuff as you want. Now, a byproduct of being fruit-producing Christians is what? A healthy system which grows more branches. You see... You wouldn't want a branch coming out of another branch because that branch wouldn't be rooted in the right place. That branch needs to be plugged into the vine. So the fruit bearing here is not 
making more Christians. That would, the, the, to, in order to be true to the illustration that Jesus is using, the analogy would be if if bearing fruit here would be making more Christians, it wouldn't be making, it wouldn't be called bearing fruit, it would be growing more vines. The fruit is personal. And, and you can live a full life in Christ, never converting one single soul personally. But I put forth to you, and, I, and, and, and this is my show, so I'll, take an, I'll, I'll just dig in right here for a minute. Mary Catherine McKinnis produced the fruit of the Spirit, and I don't know if she ever was responsible for baptizing a single soul personally, but I know that she's a large part of the reason why this old boy is on this live stream right now teaching the truth of God's Word instead of out being a heathen. And it's because she was a fruit-bearing Christian. She was a branch plugged into the vine, and she just did the commandments. Isn't that wonderful? How many people have you influenced to remain faithful or to become children of faith just because your life lived bearing the fruit of the Spirit against such there is no law? That is unquantifiable. You will never know this side of eternity. We're not even promised we'll know the other side of eternity, but God in heaven, I, I hope we do. I want to know. There's some folks over there that I had a personal involvement in uh, influencing to become Christians and remain faithful, and I know that a couple of them have gone on to their reward. That's it. Let your light shine. Yeah, we're, it, it's, not, it, it's not up to the branch to grow more branches. It's up to the branch to produce fruit. The vine produces more branches. Jesus is the one. God, the vine dresser, cultivates the vine in such a way that it's able to grow and add more branches. God adds people to the church. If you want to be added to the church, John 6, 44 says you've got to learn of God. You've got to be taught of God, and then you're going to find Jesus, and then God, Acts chapter 2 uh, uh, well, come on. The last verse in the chapter, they were added to the church daily, such as were being saved. Who added to the church? The same person in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that gave the increase, the vine dresser. Yeah, so listen, Christian, you, you better be evangelistic. You, 247. Thank you, Sue Ross. I could see it on the page, y'all, and I couldn't read the number. Ain't that terrible? I'm getting old. Where was I at? Oh, yeah. You better be evangelistic. You've got a, you've got a, a requirement to the Great Commission. But whether or not you produce fruit is not dependent upon people you put in the water. Why? You don't have any control over who gets put in the water. You don't have any control over who's added to the church. You do have control over the commandments that you keep. And according to verse 15 right here, nope, uh, according to verse 10 right here, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. That's bearing fruit because that's how you produce the fruit of the Spirit and might as well go back over here to Galatians chapter 5 since we got time enough to do it. It won't, ever, it won't hurt to read that twice, will it? <laughs> I'm not getting old. I'm getting ripe. That's it. But the fruit of the Spirit, notice it's just one, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are owned by Christ have put to death the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Folks, how do you, how do you, how do you produce the fruit? Keep the commandments. The things that you do for God are profitable. They do things. Anyway, Connie, I'm glad you asked that question. Now, what time is it? Oh, it's 927. Man, I got all kinds of time. 
All right, let's go back to John. So what have we said? We got to be commandment-keeping Christians. We got to be fruit-bearing Christians. And we need to understand if we're not fruit-bearing Christians, we're going to be plucked off that vine and cast into the fire. And if we are fruit-bearing Christians, we're going to be persecuted. If we differentiate ourselves from the den of commoners in Christianity, the unknown middle, if we differentiate ourselves and rise above, people will try to pull us down. I promise you that. Let me give you an illustration that I used this morning. There was a group of scientists that took a group of chimpanzees, and they put a ladder in the middle of this cage, in this enclosure, and at the top of the ladder, you had to get on top of the ladder to reach the bananas. So they let the chimpanzees go up and get the bananas, and they it was good. And then ever just all of a sudden, one day, whenever a chimpanzee decided to go up the ladder, they sprayed him with a high-pressure hose. They sprayed all, excuse me, they sprayed all of the chimpanzees with a high-pressure hose. And the chimpanzees were smart enough to figure out this one chimpanzee trying to go up and get them bananas. The rest of them got sprayed with the hose. So what would happen is, if one chimpanzee in that group tried to go up the ladder, the others would grab him and pull him back and beat him. And so what would happen is, they, let's say they had 20 chimps. So they removed five chimpanzees and put five chimpanzees in that had, and, and they got to where they wouldn't, no, none of them would go up the ladder. So they removed five and put five new ones in that had never got the hose. One of them decided to go up the ladder. The rest of them beat him down. And then that happened for a few days till no chimpanzees would climb the ladder. And then all of a sudden, they swapped another five out. So after they did this the four times, they had 20 chimpanzees in there that had never been sprayed with the hose. Yet, if one chimpanzee differentiated himself from the group to try to go up the ladder to get the sumptuous bananas that the chimpanzees loved, the others would latch hold of him and beat him down. If you bear fruit, I am sad to say that you are going to be the exception, not the rule, and I don't mean to be gloom and doom. But when you bear fruit, you differentiate yourself from others. Metaphorically, others will take you and pull you down. That's it. That's the way some teachers get children to mind. They punish the whole class instead of the one who did it. Now, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna suffer persecution. But remember, they, when you're suffering that persecution, you're becoming better for it. Now, Jesus goes on to tell his apostles, look, you're already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Next, we need to be abiding Christians. We need to be commandment-following Christians or commandment-keeping Christians. We need to be fruit-bearing Christians. We need to be abiding Christians. We must work to abide in Christ. Now, in the analogy, a branch cannot pluck itself off from the vine. But in reality, you can leave Christ. Let's go all the way back to 1 John. I should quote this, but I'm not going to because I'm batting about a hundred tonight instead of a thousand. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. We're not commandment-keeping Christians if we do not abide in him. But if we abide continually, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship, I in me and thou, I in thee and thou in me. We have fellowship one with another, that's, that's us and God, 
And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we abide in Christ, we will be constantly exposed to the flow of blood. What does blood do for your extremities? It delivers nutrients. You know what, what, you know what, well, you can't see it. Maybe you can. Nope, I doubt you can. I got a scar right there. I just about cut the tip end of my finger off like a dolt. I was doing something I shouldn't have done. I took my knife and I was trying to cut a zip tie. And in my mind, I was like, I better be careful because if this if this cuts through and it slips, I could cut my finger off. And about that time, there she goes. You know what funny thing happened? Granted, it's scarred, but it grew back. And I, I even have the feeling back in it again. It used to be dead. It used to be numb. Like you could prick it with a pen and you couldn't feel it, but it's, it's, I've got the feeling back in it now. How did that happen? Because there's blood flow in there and it was able to grow. What is it in a branch and vine that delivers nutrients to the extremities and takes away waste product? It's the sap. If you're not plugged into the branch and the branch is not plugged into the root and the whole system isn't being dressed by God, by the vine dresser, you can't produce fruit. The branches will wither and die. If you take the branch away, even in horticulture, when you take a when when you when you take a cutting from a plant a fruit like let's say you're going to make an apple tree you might take a cutting from an apple tree and what you'll have to do is you'll have to uh, take that cutting it's got to be from a certain part of the tree you got to put it in dirt you got to take care of it a certain way and it will grow up but you'll have another tree and the branches produce the fruit the trunk of the tree doesn't produce any fruit the branches produce the fruit. So what you've done is you made a whole other branch. You made a whole other system. Well, that certainly can't happen because remember, God cannot be mocked. We can't. We can't pull ourselves. We can't take the branch that is us and then go start another system somewhere that is plugged into the root of God's word that is dressed by God Himself. So we've got to abide in Christ. The only way to produce fruit is to abide in Christ. We've got to be plugged into the branch. And for that, we have to remain faithful. You've got to work at it, folks. You've got to work at it. So we have to be commandment-keeping Christians. We have to be, well, what I say? Fruit-bearing Christians, and we've got to be abiding Christians. Now, how do we do all that? We've come full circle. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy remain may remain full. We have to be joyful. Christians. You ever noticed any Christians that just wasn't very happy about it? I think I think of some, Barry Grider put on his wall about certain songs he just didn't like. And he said there's nothing particularly wrong with them. It's obviously subjective, but he listed a few that were kind of hot takes, you know, hot takes where he didn't like them. And I offered my two cents because, you know, it's Facebook and you offer your two cents. And I said, the one that I can't stand is God's family. Let me tell you why I can't stand it. it has nothing to do with the arrangement, nothing to do with the words, nothing to do with the uh, melody. It has to do with meter. Most times when I'm at a congregation and that song is led, everybody is singing, we're part of the family that's been born again in a, such a way that makes me convinced that we are part of the family, but that we are not very happy about it. 
Now, that's kind of lighthearted. And I said I wasn't going to sing, but I'll sing. So that song ought to be, We're part of the family that's been born again. Part of the family. But you see the meter there. I've heard it sung like this. We're part of the family. Like, you just can't get through it. Sometimes I just quit singing. I ain't going to lie to you. I'm like, I'm just happier to be part of the family than these people are, I guess. But now, that's just a joke. But have you known Christians like that? They just old sour pusses. It's like, come on, man, don't you have anything to be happy about? I don't know. I, since we're on the subject of songs, think about this. That's it. It's more like a funeral dirge. And I don't like it when we sing like we're at a funeral. Absolutely. No, it's not very happy, is it? Hey, Lewis. Now, uh-oh, I lost me again. Since we're on the subject of songs, I had a song in mind. Oh, yeah. What about count your many blessings? You happy to be a Christian? Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. If you're not feeling very happy, let me tell you what you do. Keep some commandments. Produce some fruits. Make sure abiding. Make sure you're abiding in Jesus. And guess what? Your joy will be full because his full joy will be in you. I said that wrong. His joy is what you will be full of. That still is not the, that's, that's not the sentence I had in my head. You're not supposed to end a sentence with a preposition anyway. That is something up with which I will not put. All right. But yeah, if we are commandment-keeping Christians, if we're fruit-bearing Christians, if we're abiding Christians, we will be joyful Christians. And if we can do that, my brethren, we just might make it through this old world. Sakes alive. This is a good passage of Scripture. I don't know if you know it. All right. That's technically the lesson. If I were preaching this, I would say, now, I'm asking every one of you here today, have you been bearing fruit? Have you been keeping the commandments? Have you been abiding in Him? And have you been joyful? If you have not, what is holding you back? Find whatever's holding you back and get rid of it. And if you need help from the congregation, if you want prayers from the congregation, if you want to confess something, that some sin that's been holding you back from doing these things, or if you want to be a part of this system and you want to be a branch plugged into the vine, we can do that and baptize you into Christ and he will plug you into the vine or God will plug you into the vine. Then what you forward is together we stand and sing. But, I've got some more time, and I want to talk a little bit about fruit. All Christians produce the same fruit. If Christian, if a Christian, or if a person who says they are a Christian is producing fruit that is different from the other people who are New Testament Christians, then one or both of those groups are not New Testament Christians. Something to think about. You see, a tree in its natural state that hasn't been messed with by man has one root, has one trunk or vine, and has one branch, and has one vine dresser. And it produces one fruit. One branch is not going to produce fruit different than the other branch. This passage of Scripture does not uh, prove that denominations are valid. Why does it not? Because of verse 10, folks. How can a quote-unquote church, 
if the church, if the denominations are the branches and not the individual people, which this is individual people, but if the denominations are the branches, you've got one denomination keeping commandments that are contrary to another denomination. In other words, both of them cannot be right. Both of them might be wrong, but they cannot both be right. Either one has to be right and one has to be wrong, or they both have to be wrong. As such, then, this passage of Scripture does not touch on denominationalism. This is talking about individuals and individuals only. Let me tell you what uh, N.B. Hardiman said about this passage of Scripture. God is the vine dresser, obviously. That's in the, that's in the illustration. It's he who decides how things grow. He set the parameters. That's God's will. The, the, the vine grows in such a way as the vine dresser dictates. That's the son. He humbled himself and became obedient. The branches, the only thing they can do is be plugged into the vine, and they can only produce the fruit that the vine allows to be produced if they are in the vine. Well, what is, what, 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 you've got the Father, the Son, and us. Where does the Holy Spirit come into play? If you are fruit-bearing Christians, that means you're commandment-keeping Christians. That's how, you keep, that's how you bear fruit. The Holy Spirit delivers the commandments through this book right here. That's the sap. Just like the sap, all right, just like the sap, if it is cut off from one of the branches, if you disengage from this book right here, then you're not getting any sustenance, and not only will you not produce fruit, but your branch will wither and die, and then you'll be plucked off and thrown into the fire. And that's the Holy Spirit's work. Now, we know that the Holy Spirit doesn't do it directly. He works, he operates through the medium of God's Word, always has. There's some things that he did directly in the first century, but when it comes to uh, making Christians, he, the Holy Spirit never directly operated on somebody and made them a Christian. It always happened by commandment keeping. Check me on that. Find me a place in Scripture where somebody was made a, a Christian by the direct operation of the Holy Ghost. It is not there. It is always by God's Word. But the Holy Spirit had a hand in it. He delivered that Word, did He not? What do you know for sure if you find a tree, an apple tree, that on one branch has red delicious apples, on the other branch has golden delicious apples, and on another branch produces mammoth black twig apples? You know that somebody has, you know that somebody has messed with that tree, and it is not in its original state. So if you've got people who are producing different kinds of fruit, something's perverted. So we need to go back to the Bible. More than fruit is with different types, which renders it not pure any longer. Same with the word. Man-made ordinances added to the word, added, and the word remains pure. That's it. And I'm not going to insult your intelligence by pointing out the obvious application there. We need to study to show ourselves approved unto God, workmen that needeth not to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth. If we're not studying this book, we're not going to be branches. I mean, we're not going to be, yeah, we're not going to be branches plugged into the vine. I just now had a sinking feeling in my stomach because I hope that for certain segments of this lesson, I have not been calling the vine a branch. If I have, I have been very confusing to you, and I apologize. Anyway, it is my desire that every one of us will be better 
at being fruit-bearing Christians, commandment-keeping Christians, abiding Christians, and joyful Christians. And if you want to know how, it's right there in the text. I've said this before, I'll say it many, many times again. And as I've said, I hope the frequency with which I say this does not diminish you thinking how genuine I am when I say it. This digital Bible study family, it's the cream of the crop. So many things that that bother me and so many weights that I bear, so many things I see, quote-unquote, wrong with the church. You know what I mean when I say that. They just don't apply to y'all. They just don't. Y'all get more Bible per week than, than any group of Christians that I know. And I'm honored to be a part of it. Hey, Lewis, thank you very much. Hey, says, I'm quite lucid. And the charge today hit home. Thank you, Brother Tony. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. All right. Y'all, if I don't stop talking, I'll just keep going. So I think I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to close out my um, podcast here. Y'all are so wonderful. Thank, I, I can't read all of these out loud, but I wish I could. I, I Thank you so much for the, for the um, encouragement. All right. But our time has come to an end. Uh, powered by Digital Bible Study, this Cogitations episode has been brought to you live on Tuesday night, starting at... 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, 9 p.m. Atlantic. Labeth is doing really, really well. Yes, uh, Labeth is doing well. I wanted to say that before we got off. And Katie Smith, thank y'all. Thank y'all so much for that. I got to quit reading the comments. I got to close this out. So remember, support Digital Bible Study. Share all the stuff on here from every, everyone. And uh, if, you, if you support Digital Bible Study, there's a way to do it for $2 a month www.digitalbiblestudy.locals.com and a way to do it for $5 a month, www.digitalbiblestudy.com. And yeah, that's all I've got. God bless y'all. This has been Tony Brewer with Cogitations, and we'll catch you on the flip side.